Welcome to the Prayer Storm Podcast. We hope this teaching will encourage you and equip you to live a lifestyle of holiness and intercession. Don't forget James's new book, Life on Fire, is out now. It's our first release from Prayer Storm and it's available on prayerstorm.org. The link is also available in the podcast description. I'm going to be making reference to a few scriptures uh, uh, this evening. Um, and I, I want to start by sharing something that happened, I think, some some weeks ago, uh, our family, every now and again, myself and Rebecca have some time to hang out with John Stacy, uh, or Pastor John Stacy. So we go to their house and we have some time. Anyway, it was one of those days. So me and Rebecca and Pastor Joe, Pastor Stacy, we're having some time together. And then I think Justice and Evie, our kids, no, I think it might have been Justice. Justice was out in the park. I don't know who took Justice out. Someone took Justice out. Anyway, next thing I hear, I don't know where I heard this from, but apparently in the middle of playing around, Justice just says, my dad's biggest fears are wasting his life in snakes. <laughs> I don't think it was Olivia that said, someone said that to me. I was like, <laughs> that was a bit random that he just came out of nowhere. And sometimes uh, we have conversations and I don't realize he's uh, registered it. And then sometimes he just says, some, it's like the most random thing. And I mean, if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. It's just like out of nowhere. Like, where did that come from? And it was so funny when I heard it back, but it's actually so true. I don't, um, I dislike snakes. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. Am I afraid of snakes, Rebecca? <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. For, for the record, I have killed snakes, okay? So, yeah, one snake. Let me just tell you that story. It's not to do with my message at all. So, this, I came to the UK when I was 17, so that was in 2001. And when we lived in Nigeria, you know, you don't have many snakes here. We, we have snakes in Nigeria. So, so, one day, we're in the house, and um, I think my mom spotted a snake in our house. <laughs> and, you know, the stairs, because it was like... Um, marble stairs, so not carpet. The snake was like, you know, in between two stairs, just kind of lying there in a way where you could miss it. And so we, um, we, we killed it. We thought we'd killed it. And, you know, we thought it was dead. And then we put out fire at the back. And so we put the snake in the fire. Guess what? As, as soon as the snake hit the fire, it came alive. <laughs> it's like, you got to die. Pushed it back in and it died. So praise God. <laughs> I don't like snakes. <laughs> In fact, even pet snakes, I, you know, no, uh, not pets, toy snakes, I don't like. Because I say to Justice, I say, well, you know, as far as I can see through scriptures, snakes don't have a good reputation. Why do I want to like that? And Justice, well, you know, what do you think about dragons? I'm like, well, when I look through scripture, dragons don't have a good reputation either. So I don't like dragons. <laughs> He's like, well, my friend likes dragons. Well, daddy doesn't like dragons, okay? Uh, it started out as a snake in, Re- in Genesis 1. In Revelation, it became a dragon because someone had been feeding that thing, okay? So it started out small, and then toleration, and then it ends up in a place where it's just ruling, influencing, and so we don't tolerate. Anyway, that's just me. That's not the, I- I'm just sharing my opinion, so let's get to the word now. I don't know why I started that. So he said, dad is scared of wasting his life. And he did ask me that once. You know, he said, dad, what are you afraid of? I said, I'm afraid of wasting my life. And that, that, that sits on me very often. Even now, it still sits on me. I don't want to waste my life. Now, you see... I've got capacity, I've got giftings, and you could look at me and go, well, James, you're doing very good. 
And according to your capacity, say my capacity is a 10 and your capacity is a 5. You look at me and go, oh, James, you're doing very well. But from heaven's perspective, I'm not max, I might not be maximizing my capacity, but be doing way more than you. And you may be maximizing your capacity, but it might not look as much as me. So you cannot judge your, your, your progress spiritually by me. It's by the capacity God's given you and what God's called you to. And it's so critical that we begin to pursue knowing what was written about us. And we're going to start here in Psalm 139. What was written about us before we got here? See, this is a famous scripture. You will know this. In Psalm 139, 16, it says, For your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book. See, this is God's book. So, this is, a, this is a book that exists. You've got to think about what you're reading here. David is saying, your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book they were all written, all the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. So, there is a book where God has written out the purpose he has for your life. There is a book where God has planned out exactly who he wants you to be and what he wants you to do. Now, when you read another scripture here in Malachi, look at this. Malachi, um, let me just get this. Yeah, Malachi 3. Malachi 3, 16. It says, then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. This is Malachi 3, 16. Those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord listened and heard. Now listen to this. So a book of remembrance was written. A book of remembrance was written before the Lord. So that is a current tense. It's like it's going on as that conversation was going on. It's like God has scribe angels that are writing down the actions and the conversations that, you see, you said we're going to give account for every idle word, right? That means the words are being recorded, right? How are we going to give account of not being recorded? Unless I believe the ones that we repented of are being washed out. But the ones we don't repent of, they're there. They're recorded. Not covered. In, are you hearing me today? So there is a book about God's purpose for your life. And then there is a book that is actually being filled with your actual actions. And I believe on the day of judgment, there's going to be a comparison of those two books. What God purposed and what you actually fulfilled. And I think it's a fearful thing to get to heaven because the goal is not just, oh, I just want to get to heaven. There are people that are going to get to heaven and, and be in regret of how their lives are wasted on the earth. So this 70, 80, 90, 100 years, it's a rehearsal for eternity. And I don't want to stand before God on the day of judgment and just look back and realize I've wasted my life. I had opportunities. I didn't maximize it because I wasn't giving myself fully because of distractions, whatever you may want to name it. So, you know, I want to lay this foundation before I go into the next scripture we're going to look at, which is Jeremiah 1. And you would all know this. Well, most of you would know this scripture. Jeremiah 1. Okay, let me find it here now. The Lord speaking to Jeremiah says, in Jeremiah 1.4, Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. 
Before you were born, I sanctified you and ordained you to be a prophet. That is incredible insight into how things work. When you compare that scripture with the one we just read in Psalm 139, you realize there's a lot of stuff that happened before you got here. So you being here is not an accident. I know you might be struggling right now with, you know, relational issues, financial issues, whatever the challenge you're going through right now. I want you to realize, just think for a moment, you are not an accident on this planet. What the Lord is saying is before you got into your mother's womb, you existed. God is saying to Jeremiah, before you go into your mother's womb, I knew you. If God knew Jeremiah before he go into his mother's womb, where was he if God knew him? He was in God. Okay, so God formed man from the dust of the earth. We all know that scripture. Gosh, I've left my, my face towel. Oh, my face towel is right here because I'm already sweating. Matt spoke last week and he said it's always been his dream to sweat. Well, I sweat all the time <laughs> when I preach. So what was it now? Um, someone remind me where I was. Where was I? Yeah, God formed man from the dust of the earth. You know that scripture in Genesis, right? And God breathed his life into man. And then, well, actually, he breathed his life into the shell that he'd formed. And then man became a living being. So when God formed that dust, when God formed man from the dust of the earth, it was just an empty shell until the breath of God got into that shell. And then when the breath of God got into that shell, we now know Adam is formed as a human being. So the question is, where was Adam before he got into that shell? He was in God because the breath that made him Adam, where did it come from? It came from God. So where was Adam before he got into that shell was in God? Where was Jeremiah before he was in his mother's womb? It was in God. Where were you before you arrived on this planet? You were in God. Every one of us, every human on the planet is, is from God. And we are like, uh, we are like pilgrims going through this life. Okay, and we're going to have to give an account of every way. We're going to have to give an account of the way we spend our life on this earth. And it's like this life is like the internship for the next life. So 20 billion years from now, that's mind blowing. Okay, let's let's bring it down. 10,000 years from now, you're still going to exist. Have you ever considered your occupation 10,000 years from now? Because... Many people invest a lot of their time in how they're going to be successful in this 70, 80 years. But don't invest in what's going to happen 5,000 years. Because how you live now is going to seal your state for when that time arrives. Do, do you realize that? So we all, we all have opportunities right now to give everything we can to serve God. But we're not supposed to measure each other by each other. We're supposed to measure each other by God's book, the standard. What is in the book God wrote about you? And you know, what God has written in that book, it's not that easily accessible. You don't just wake up one morning. I mean, some people, it's easy. Some people wake up and they're just having dreams and visions about their future. Well, for majority of us, <laughs> it doesn't just happen that way. Because God hides for you to find it. You have to push into God. See, Peter had a revelation, and in the revelation, he says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus turns around and declares to him, you 
are Peter. So everyone who heard Jesus said that right now, yes, he's Peter, right? Why does Jesus need to declare who Peter is? Because Peter just had a revelation of who Jesus was. And in that revelation was hidden his identity. So Peter would not have known who Peter was without him having a revelation of who Jesus was. In the same way, the way God's called us to live on this earth and to fulfill our God-given purpose, we're not going to live in the fullness of that until we first discover who God is. And that process of discovery is actually painful. It's painful on your flesh because your flesh doesn't want to do it. Okay, I said to you, we're going to have a prayer meeting and we're going to pray for one hour. Some of you might be okay with that. Well, how about we're going to pray for six hours? How many Christians have the capacity to press into God until something cracks? Do you realize most of us, when we pray, we're still in the outer court? When I say the outer court, we have not pushed into places where our spiritual senses are opened up and we begin to have downloads of what's actually in our book. What I'm doing right now, prayer, some did not happen by accident. See, as I look back, I realized, I, I mean, I wasn't married. I finished university. I had time, you know, so I just come from the ramp 2007. And so I was spending lots of hours just pressing into God. I don't even know what I was praying for apart from I just want to see God move. Waking up early, pressing in. Waking up early, pressing And in that moment, one day I'm praying. I'm just pressing into God. And when I say I'm praying, hours. I'm talking six, seven, eight hours. Just pray. I am not asking God for breakthrough. I'm not asking God for ministry. I'm not asking God for an anointing. I am praying. And as I'm praying, I just heard a name, Deborah Green. Now imagine this. You're praying and just heard a name. I don't know who Deborah Green is. I've never met Deborah Green. But I know that that name came to me as I'm praying. And with that name came an impression to go on the internet and search for Deborah Green. I go on in search of Deborah Green. I found her office details. I felt to send her a video of what was happening at the ramp when I first went there. And there was a breakout of young people just praying for revival in Manchester. I didn't even send it to her. I just sent it to the office. So it went to the PA. And I never heard anything for months. I, I don't even know. The next thing I heard was Andy Hawthorne wanted to meet with me. The guy who runs this place, the Messy Trust. What I didn't know was... As I was pressing into God, what was in my book was being unlocked. So if I did not spend those hours, I will not be standing before you today. Because it, it was not unlocked until I was pushing into God and then boom, he gave me revelation. He gave me insight. And I didn't even know that. See, God does not owe you an explanation. But he can give you some insights. He can say, do this. You can say, well, go out there and just, you know, just help someone or do something or do an act of kindness. It could speak to you and sometimes it could be the most irrational things. But when you're truly present to God and you choose obedience, you don't realize you start to unlock what was written in the book about you. So I have no doubt in my mind I am living out what was written in my book right now. But I still feel frustrated because I know there is more I'm yet to see. So the fact that I can look back and see the track record of how God worked with me. See, you're going to be a student of the move of God in your life. How God moves with me is going to be in how he moves with you. So don't just say, well, James did it this way, so it has to be. No, you find out. Regardless, though, the, the starting point for all of us is going to be pressing into God with intensity. When was the last time you took a fast? 
not to just ask God for money, not to ask God for a husband or a wife, or, but just to push in saying, God, look, I'm tired of where I've been. Some of you have plateaued spiritually. You're singing the same songs. Yeah, we'll come alive in the river, but inside you're dead. And you know it. And you're tired of it. Well, if you don't make any move towards God, he says, draw near and I'm going to draw near. The culture we're living in is conditioned to keep you in a comfortable place where you're just going to exist. You're just going to, you're just going to uh, survive. You're not going to thrive. You're going to be in a place where you just, from paycheck to paycheck, or you just come to church and hear a nice sermon. But still, you're not fulfilling purpose because you never had that agitation to push. The pushing process makes you. I am not standing before you right now because I'm some superstar. I know how to push. And if I, to be honest with you, in this season of my life, there is that frustration arising again in my spiritual development. I've got to push deeper. And you see, I'm not going to put a uh, uh, weight on you uh, like, oh yeah, you need to pray so many hours a day. You know, you, 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 sp- you know when, you've, when you haven't prayed. See, you could spend an hour praying and you've not prayed. <laughs> and you know it. So don't kid yourself and think, well, I prayed more than my friend who didn't pray or pray for five minutes. Forget about their five minutes. As far as the prayer quarter allocated from heaven for you, that day, it might have been four hours before you can push into something because of all the stuff your mind is still clogged up in. But you thought because you did one hour, you're okay. However, there was so much more God was ready to reveal to you, but because you compare yourself to the guy down the road, you never pressed into it. And then two weeks go by, three weeks go by, and you are doing okay in the eyes of other people, but you are not maximizing your spiritual capacity, and time is wasting. And there are things in your book that are being prepared for you to access, and God will not unlock the next level until you start to maximize this level you're on right now. Because right now, on this level, you're just comfortable. Sometimes God uses a, a hunger to agitate you out of where you're at. My wife will tell you this. Oftentimes, <laughs> Rebecca said to me that you're like a spiritual sadist. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? Well, I, I hope you were joking, Becky. Because <laughs> sometimes I just want to hear something that would shit, like a slap from heaven. <laughs> Have you ever been there? Like, like, I know, Lord, what I need right now is a holy slap. That would just shake me. In fact... I had one of those recently, and it just launched me into something deep. I, you know, it was like, okay, yeah, 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 God, I, I hear that. And it was like straight into something deep spiritually. It was like a, an awakening. And you have got to welcome God's holy slaps every now and then. Because the, the, the culture, listen, guys, we're living in a culture that's so intense and shutting down spiritual progress. I'm telling you, everything around you is designed to shut you down spiritually. So until you wake up to that reality and say, God, you wake me up and you start to, by his grace, push against that resistance, you are not going to make any spiritual progress. And 10 years from now, you still become to Ram Church. You'll still be in the same job, doing the same thing. You would not have developed in the gifts of the Spirit. There will be no change. You're still getting angry at the same things. There, there is no change in your spiritual development. Yeah, you've been a Christian for 10 years. But the other guy who was a Christian for five uh, uh, months seems to just be flying. How is that possible? Well, because when he got saved, maybe he got saved from witchcraft. And he understands the commitment in witchcraft. 
and he understands how they keep the time and how they're disciplined. And he knows if he doesn't push into God, the devil is after him. So now he conditions himself to push, pray, and fast. Not because Ram Church called a day of fasting. Listen, don't let your fasting cycle be every January. Oh, yeah, Pastor Joe has said 21 days for all right. When was the last time you organized a night prayer session for yourself? You, you, didn't, you didn't say, okay, now we're going to have a night prayer session because we need, you know, we need a breakthrough in this financial situation. Or, oh, yeah, well, someone is sick and we need healing here. No, but you say, Lord, I, I, I'm tired of my spiritual state. There is more I need to press into you. I don't want to waste your time, my time on the In fact, you know what? God has all the time. He's in eternity. You're, you're the one that doesn't have the time. <laughs> Lord, I want to waste my time. On the earth, Lord, shake me. I want to press into you. I want to seek you. Lord, I want to I wanna pray in tongues like never before. <laughs> I, 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 this is going to shock somebody. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll have seen this. I posted a video of a guy called Romeo Osai. I came across him last year in March. He's actually in Manchester right now. <laughs> and this is the first clip I saw of this guy. He's talking to some university students. And this boy says, if you're 21 years old and you've never prayed in tongues for six hours, your life is a joke. That, that was my, I was like, oh, I've never heard anyone talk like that. Lord, I, I, I looked up everything I could find about this guy because that was a holy slap. You might be like, well, it's, it's guilt tripping. No, no, no. It's a holy slap. It's waking me up. You mean, you mean if he's saying that to them, then how many hours is he praying himself? And then you listen to his story and then you see how God uses him. And you're like, oh, God, please, God, don't let me wait. Lord, if you can use a human like that, when, is, when are you going to use me? I don't mean use me to preach a nice sermon or write a book or, you know, have a nice. You see, I've, God has blessed me in ministry. I, I'm not, a lot of things God has given me and many people will die for. So I'm not, I'm not itching for a platform. Right now, I am itching to fulfill everything I can. And I'm saying, God, shake me, wake me up, align me with your purposes. And so I wanted to realize the time is urgent. You might be in your 30s, you might be in your 40s, you might be in your 50s. Whatever age you're at right now, it's not too late to say, God, wake me up. See, when Ram Church becomes a really woken up church, and you begin to pursue God in that kind of way, as I've just said, when I was sent, spending all those hours, not because of a church service, presence God, and then he revealed that name, Deborah Green, and that unlocked my whole destiny in that phase of my life from 20, 20, uh, 2007 to 2014. That whole seven-year period was just from one word of knowledge. Isn't that crazy? I went to the ramp also from another impression. The reason, you see, I'm here at the ramp, and I know my journey is very much connected to Ramp UK. You, some of you know my journey when I first went to the ramp. Do you know how all that stuff happened? I finished university and said, Lord, I don't know what you have for me. I went away to fast and pray. Fasting and pray, Lord, I'm just pressing. And all I had was one scripture. Well, the, one of the main things, Joel 2.28. And then I ended up at the ramp. And I ended up at the ramp, Karen Wheaton calls me out, spontaneous moment. I didn't even plan it. No one knew what that was going to happen. She gave me the microphone. Well, guess what comes out of me? The very thing that I felt God spoke to me. And that, again, unlocked something in the Spirit. Do, do, do you see what I'm trying to say? It's like, it's like when we seek God and we press in, he, he puts deposits that unlock our destinies on the earth. 
And we all have unique callings, unique purposes in God to fulfill on the earth. But until we begin to get dissatisfied with just a paycheck, dissatisfied, we're just going through life as no. Until we begin to get the agitation, we will just live on earth like every other person and not fulfill God's purpose. Get to heaven and realize we were actually supposed to be the next Billy Graham. And be like, oh my goodness, what happened there? Well, don't wait for the prophet. The prophet doesn't have to come and call you out and say, hey, you in the red shed. I see the anointing of Billy Graham over you. You don't need to wait for that. The prophet should just come and confirm what God has already said to you. It shouldn't be just the new. It should be confirming. And if you don't press into God now, you are wasting your life. The purpose of being alive on the earth is for his kingdom purpose. So his government comes over me and I married my wife because I knew marrying my wife was part of God's purpose. I didn't marry my because it was my opinion. Yes, I did. I fell, I fell in love with my wife, but it had to be in alignment with God's purpose. It wasn't just about, oh yeah, this is what I want to do. So I know this marriage is about God's purpose. There, there, there are things going on beyond me. I know, Lord, I just need to plug into your purpose for my life. And when I stand before you on the day of judgment, I want to know I actually lived everything I could as far as revelation that you've given me. And as far as me giving you my heart. How many of you can honestly say at this point in your life, you're seeking God with everything? I'm telling you, most of us probably say, we know we're seeking in some way, but we're not really seeking. It hasn't got to a desperate place. We're all talking about Afghanistan right now. Well, there's desperation. So people are going to start to call out to God. And I think we should keep praying for that. But don't wait for situations to stir up desperation. Right now, you're actually in a desperate place. You just need God to open your eyes to the reality of where you're at. You think you're okay, but you're actually not okay. I want to read you this scripture, which is actually where I wanted to go, but I never got there. Luke 1.15. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. So, actually, let me read on. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. I'll read that again. Luke 1.15. John the Baptist, the, Lord is, uh, the angel is talking to Zechariah. For John will be great in the sight of the Lord. One. Two. He shall... Drink neither wine nor strong drink. That's two. Three, he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. So there's a lot we could say about this, but because of time, I'm going to try to summarize a few things. One, John was called to be great. You are called to be great. Every human is called to be great. However, your perception of what greatness is is different to God's perception of what greatness is. He will be great not in his own sight or not in the sight of man, says John will be great in the sight of the Lord. So that makes us understand that it's possible to be great in the sight of man. Obviously, we've got celebrities that are great in the sight of man. You know, and we celebrate them and all the things they do and whether it's sports or whatever, you're like, yeah. So you can be great in the sight of man, but be, not be great in the sight of God. Now, you can be great in the sight of God, but not be great in the sight of man. So, actually, there's a lot to dig into in that statement there. God's idea of what it means to be great is not always your idea of what it means to be great. 
being great doesn't mean you have a big ministry, everyone calls your name and you invite to preach everyone, you have a big business that's successful. Because your definition of success, success is not what heaven defines success as. You realize that. Oftentimes the way we think of success is not often what God thinks of success. Because success is connected to purpose. Jesus' purpose was to die. So when he was on the cross dying, that was success. But do you think that looked like success success to everyone else? (laughs) In fact, everyone else looked at him and called him a failure. And when they called him a failure, in that moment was actually his moment of greatest success. So your perception of what success is, is not always what God thinks. And God may call you to be like an Anna. You know Anna? Okay, who spent her time, she says she fasted and prayed in the temple. She, no, actually it says she served the Lord with fasting and prayer. So for many decades, she didn't have a job. She gave up and all she was doing was she was serving the purposes of God. I am convinced that some of God's greatest warriors are not the people preaching on the platform. That when we get to heaven, we'll realize the heroes that they celebrate in heaven are quite different from the preachers we celebrate on earth. Oh, I don't want to go to some places right now because I might, I might say some things I shouldn't say. Don't worry, Pastor Joe. I'll, I'll, I'll calm it down right now. <laughs> okay, but I'm going to say this one. The church, the church, listen, the 21st century church has become a nursery where babies are being fed, not a barrack, barracks where warriors are being bred. So, we come, feed me, pastor, make me feel good. Just, just, just tell me everything's going to be okay. Now, there's no room with that. You don't go to the barracks looking for love. Right? Because of the nature of the intensity of what we're going in, God is raising up people that would wake the church up to the war that we're in. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to, you know, preach John 3, 16, God loves the world and God loves you and all that stuff. But that's not how I'm wired right now. Because when I look at the world, I'm seeing the battle that my eight-year-old is going to face. I'm thinking, I better start training it up now for the battle there. So you know what? We're praying in tongues together. Why would I let him just be educated by Disney Plus? Well, well, Disney Plus is indoctrinating him with ideologies that's against what I believe and what Scripture teaches. So by the time he's a teenager, he's become a stranger in my own house. I'm not going to, I'm like, in fact, before we go here, I'm like, Justice, we're going to pray in tongues right now before your mom comes downstairs. And so we're going to spend time, and you know what, there was a time, in fact, we need to have a chat later, Rebecca. I'm like, we need to get on this right now and train these kids to be warriors. When we were on holiday recently, we spent some time praying in tongues with Justice for 30 minutes. Sarah, I've just seen Justice, you see Justice cannot sit still. How many of you know Justice here? So if we're going to sit down and pray in tongues together for, th- that, as in, you're not, listen, I am your parent, I'm telling you, you're not going anywhere, we're sitting here. It's not an option, it's a commandment. Because I'm going to get you to push spiritually, even if your brain doesn't get it, we're going to put this thing in you right now. Because right now, Justice, your flesh just wants to go on the media, on the TV, and all that stuff. And they're going to feed you all that stuff so that you're not going to like this stuff, which is what you actually really need. So I am going to be strict. And God helping me, by God's grace, raise up children that will be strong in spirit. It doesn't happen accidentally. You just drop them in the kids' church, you think that's going to fix it? No. 
and then take them to school where they hear all the junk of the world, and then they watch TV, all the junk of the world, and then they have one hour of kids' service, and somehow they're going to wake up to be warriors. When they're teenagers, you know what's happening? They're having boyfriends, sleeping around, going out, and you're like, why is that happening? Well, just let, let's look at the track record of how many hours of investment of demonic stuff they had when they got to teenage years. And we're thinking we want to raise up warriors. See, we, it starts with us parents saying, God, look, you need to shake me and then help me to invest in my children. Lord, it, 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 the, the battle, it's intense. So here you have the angel talking to John the Baptist saying, he will, John the Baptist, that he will be great in the sight of the Lord. So John's calling was defined. John's purpose was set. Started with his calling to be great. His calling now determined his consecration. So after the calling, John, you're going to be great. The next thing was, he must not. Everyone say must not. It wasn't just called to be great. Yeah, John, you're called to be great. And you're going to be amazing inside of the Lord. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. But he must not. See, to be great, there were ground rules. To fulfill God's purpose on your life, there are unique ground rules that God has for you based on the destiny and the calling he has for your life. So for John to be great, he must not. Do you know your must not? Because your must not, I'm not talking about fornication and pornography. We're not talking about sin here. Because wine was pretty much a legitimate pleasure that anyone could have. You have to start to discover your must nots. If you're going to fulfill God's purpose in your life, because you're not going to reach the heights God has for you without consecration. You might go, what on earth is consecration? Consecration is really separation from the things of the world, whatever those things are, to God. For some of you, see, John's John's consecration, he's like, he must not drink wine or strong drink. And wine is something that, affects your emotional state. John was called to be sensitive. Sensitive. Because he had to be in the place of fasting and prayer. Sensitive to discern God. And nothing was allowed to tamper. See, if you're here, you're called to be a prophet. You're called to be... You find that God, you, there's, there's a, you have a wiring from heaven. And... God starts to give you ground rules based on your wiring to protect the call that he has on your life. And some of you are already violating that because you never bothered to ask God anyway. Because you've not found out your must not. John's must not was wine. For some of you, your must not is the Premier League. Because when you, when you start watching that thing, it's another form of wine for you. And it, you get intoxicated and drunk in your flesh. And when God is trying to speak, you can't listen. Because now, I'm not saying that's for everyone. See, you've got to find out your unique makeup. For another person, it might be you're not allowed to watch movies. For another person, it might be you're not allowed to do this thing. I don't know what it is, but you've got to have to find out, Lord, what is my most nots? What are the things that are unique to the calling on my life that I need to make sure that I don't mess with if I'm going to reach the height of greatness you call me to? And when I say greatness, I don't mean a popular ministry. I mean in the sight of the Lord. However, the great thing is you will not be able to do the must nots without the second part of the equation. John will be great. He must not drink wine, but he must be filled. (laughs) You cannot do the must not 
without being filled. In fact, being filled helps you to not do the must nots. Your unique must nots. So if you're not being filled, you're going to by default gravitate towards your must nots. Until you learn how to praise God. The great thing about John's journey was he started being filled from an early age. But the fact that he had uh, an infilling in the womb did not mean that was it. And he didn't need to push in for continual infilling. Because after he got out, we know he went into the desert. Who, who asked John to go into the desert? We don't know. We must have heard from God. Because Elijah was often like, like that. You look at John's life and it mirrors a lot of things Elijah did. John was the son of uh, someone that is in the priesthood. So John could have served as a priest in the temple, right? But he chose to go into the desert. There was no template for that kind of life. His, his dad is probably thinking, what on earth are you doing, John? John is like, I just know God said, or I just feel this burden, I just feel this draw. But John was fulfilling purpose. And to fulfill purpose, he had to continually, he had to be continually filled. And to be continually filled, he had to go into a desert place where he could have focus to press into God and receive the infilling that would help him to not step into that must not. And then by doing that, he's able to fulfill what it means to be great in the sight of God. John was great in the sight of the Lord way before anyone knew his name in the nation. So he, he was fulfilling his purpose way before people started to come to him as crowds, masses. So it wasn't the fact that he had crowds of people following him that made him successful. It was the fact that he had set himself apart, apart to God. He knew his must nots and he was being filled with the Holy Spirit. Recently, the Lord reminded me, James, you need to start to identify clearly your must nots and where you have slipped. See, I'm not even talking about sin. So don't, I mean, sin is a given. You know, you know, we talk about, you know, drunkenness, pornography, sexual addictions, lying, backbiting, jealousies. Yeah, those are works of the flesh. We're not even talking about that. Okay, so that is, that is a no-no. We know that's a given. I'm not, because I'm talking about the unique Things that God starts to speak to you about. This is going to be very much tailor-made. I call it tailor-made holiness. Because it's specific to you and your calling. So when God starts to deal with you about this, you don't look at your other Christian friend and criticize them because he's not dealing with them about that. Because it's a unique dealing. God deals with us differently based on his calling on our lives. And if you're called to be someone that's going to be in business, you're called to be someone that's going to be a sports personality, you're called to be someone that's going to be in the secular world, so to speak, in that music arena. See, someone that's called to be on the charts as a a Christian artist that's not singing worship songs per se, but is actually called of God to be there, God will have a unique consecration for that person. That's different to the guy that's called to be a sports personality. Are you with me? And if that guy violates his consecration, he's still going to be famous, right, on the earth. But as far as heaven is concerned, he is neutralized in his authority to advance the kingdom of God in the earth. And no one is going to know that until we get to heaven. And then we're all going to go, oh, wow, we thought he was great. Well, he's not great here. I I, I don't want that to be me. (laughs) I'd rather be a voice in the heavens than a celebrity on the earth. And I'm saying, God, wake me up, shake me up. I want to fulfill my purpose. God has called you to be great. The things that constitute greatness 
are the same things, I believe, that constitute being filled. You will not be filled if you don't spend time. For some of you, being filled will take a while because of all the junk that's already in you. You need to set a whole day aside. Okay, maybe Thursday is your day when you're not working. Shut off the TV, turn off the phone. You say, okay, Lord, this is my day. I'm going to fast and pray and I'm going to be here. Six, seven hours, even if nothing happens. Do you realize God doesn't speak all the time? What are you going to do when you're there for three hours and nothing's happened? Oh, well, I guess God doesn't love me. That, that means your faith is shallow. Oh, yeah, I've been, I've been praying for two days and God said, have you read Moses? Moses went on the mountain. God said, come up here. Moses went up on the mountain. Listen to this. You need to hear this. You know, we celebrate Moses, right? Man of God. He went up on the mountain. God said, come up. And he stayed there in silence. You know for how long? Six days. When was the last time you waited inside and God said nothing? And you're, Lord, I'm praying. Lord, and God. You see, I, do you have that kind of tenacity? Or you don't have the capacity within you to push that deep in God? Because if you want to fulfill purpose, you need to also enlarge capacity. Because when you say, Lord, fill me. Have I got a cup here? If you had a cup and you're like, Lord, fill me. See, it doesn't matter how much God wants to pour in. If your capacity is little, that's as much as you're going to have. And when you begin to push into God, you start to enlarge your capacity to receive more. So some of us, our capacity is just like a tiny, tiny, you know, one little bottle. Let me get you a bottle right here. Some people, this is all they have, spiritual capacity-wise. Because all they do is their five-minute prayer in the morning. Five-minute prayer will not do this one. And I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty. I'm saying this to actually challenge and straight. You know, I said to you, I'm not a pastor, right? Two weeks from now, Pastor Joe will come and help you out. <laughs> we love you, Pastor Joe. <laughs> and then Stacy will come and shake you up afterwards. <laughs> For me, this, this is their capacity. It's like, and you're wanting all these things that God... And see, when your capacity is this little, you cannot fulfill some of the things God wants you to fulfill in life because your capacity needs to be bigger than this. But you're also stuck with this five-minute prayer or one-minute prayer. Oh, you're about to go, oh, yeah, God, I forgot to pray today. Okay, Lord, uh, thank you for today. Thank you that you helped me today and bless you and bless my children. Amen. Bye. Those kind of prayers will not help you fulfill purpose. You're still on this level. The type that pushes you. You see, when your capacity has been enlarged, you would know it because it's painful. (laughs) It's stretching. It goes beyond your comfort zone. It goes beyond what you're, what you're comfortable with. And sometimes it's in the place of the board. Have you ever been bored in prayer? Even because I'm talking about prayer, I often find prayer exciting. Six, seven hours, sometimes nothing. But I'm not going to give up because there's nothing. There was silence in heaven once, right? In fact, you read it. So there's some times where there's silence. And you're pushing and it seems like nothing's happening. It doesn't mean God doesn't want to speak. <laughs> Because you're not receiving revelation, so that means God doesn't... No, no, no. There's some things that God actually waits to see how desperate you are for it. And he's not going to release it until your capacity is able to handle what he's about to release. I'll put that here for you. Thank you very much. Actually, I'm thirsty. <laughs> but I'm saying this because, listen, Manchester is our heart. It's like our mission field. We're called to impact the city. But all of us are not called to be on the platform like me. Most of us, most of you here are not going to do this. But what I'm doing right now, preaching. But if you will do what I am saying right now, take 
this seriously say God I want to fulfill purpose and actually begin to fast and pray not because Pastor Joe called it but as you're going into work you incorporate fasting and praying into your whole lifestyle and your routines you'll find that your life will take on a whole new edge a whole new focus and right there on your job you'll be more effective for the kingdom like never before because you have a sphere of influence that Pastor Joe would never have and right there, God begins to use you. In fact, God may begin to give you insights, words of wisdom, words of knowledge that would help you in advancing his kingdom where he's placed you. God, oh, thank you, thank you. God is calling us, God is calling me to press into him like never before. I feel like this is always my message. Every time I come up to preach, I have something to say about pressing into God because for me, there is no other way to live. There is, there, there is I mean, how else am I going to live my life? <laughs> you know, sometimes I think to myself, Lord, I have seen too much. I have heard too much to think I'm okay where I'm at right now. I, I, I think that there's just too much at stake. Lord, I have got to have more. And so, Lord, I'm asking you to shake me from my complacency. Some of you need to leave this place tonight Go home and dust off your prayer altar because it's been full of dust and you've not been there for a while. Say, oh God, I'm back. I'm back now. My 4 a.m. prayers, I'm back. Thank you, musicians, you can come up. I'm back, my 6 a.m. prayers. Lord, I'm back, my 12 midnight prayers. Lord, I'm back, my 3 p.m. Whatever it is, Lord, I'm back. I want to begin to push. Lord, I want my capacity enlarged. Lord, I've just become comfortable with just the, you know, the, the petty little things, you know, prayers over here. Lord, I want to I wanna go deep. I want to go deep. I want to go deep. Some of you here struggling with sin issues. You know why? You haven't gone deep enough. When you go deep, there's some things that cannot go deep with you. You know, deep calls unto deep. Because you've been on the shallow, shallow has been calling to the shallow. So you've been dealing with all this emotional, all the lust, you've been dealing with, you know, jealousy, you've been dealing with all that stuff. It's because you haven't gone deep. Because when you go deep, lust is not deep there. It's God. It's only God that's deep down there. So it cannot go down with you. Jealousy and envy is not there. Those things you're struggling with, they're not there. And when you push deep, some things that you're struggling with right now will naturally fall off without anyone praying for you. Without anyone laying hands on you. Some things you need help with God. You need, you need, you need God's breakthrough. You're, God, I want you to do this. Those things you've been sending out your prayer request for, they would naturally start to resolve themselves as you push deeper. Didn't he say to himself, seek first the kingdom? Everything else has to fall in order. I'm going to stop there. So that's the burden I had today to come and share with you. And as I always say, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes when I preach, there's nothing I'm preaching to you I don't preach to myself. <laughs> it's a time for us to say, God, I don't want to waste my life. Please, God, help me. Shock me now. Give me that heavenly slap. <laughs> Shock.
shock me now. I don't want to waste my life. Lord, what kind of prayer are you calling me to in this season? What kind of fasting are you calling me to in this season? I need to unlock what is in the book that was written. I need to know. I need to have revelation. I need to know what the next step. I need to have some clarity. What are you saying next? I know sometimes we don't always have clarity, but I believe God would lead us when we seek him. The things I've stumbled into, but it's because I was seeking him. I didn't always have it clear, by the way. And I still don't have it all clear right now. <laughs> but I know one thing. Going deep in God is the way forward. Thank you for listening to the Prayer Storm podcast. We hope this teaching has encouraged you. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Prayer Storm, all one word. Find us on YouTube as well. We put up regular teachings and worship sessions and prayer nights on there. Don't forget James's new book, Life on Fire, at prayerstorm.org. The link is also in the description. <laughs>